We are just uh, having fun for a minute here, giving one another yeah. Star Trek names. The Star funnest track. part of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, none of us are actually Star Trek fans because we're and calling it Star, Star Trek. And it's pretty much the same as Star Wars anyway, right? Here. Uh, yeah. Here. Um, oh. What's Will Wheaton's character's name? Oh, uh, Crusher. Um, yeah. Wesley. Wesley Crusher. <laughs> All right. I got you. Wesley Crusher. That's a good. That's, I'll, I'll take uh, it. Yeah. That, that works. Yeah. That works. Yeah. Will Wheaton? <laughs> there we go. Welcome to the show, everybody. We are here. It is Sunday night. We're trying the eight o'clock time slot. I talked to the uh, I talked to corporate, and they felt like it was going to be a better time slot for uh, for parents with young kids. And so, we're we're going to give this a try. See all your faces here. Welcome. Thanks for joining. Thanks for thanks for being on the pod. This is officially a podcast now, guys. Nice. Um, I don't know if you knew this or not. I'll, as people are signing on, I will uh, I'll mention. Um, we are launching, I'm launching a full uh, website slash blog slash podcast YouTube channel, just a place where I'm going to drive content. Um, so I'm excited. So you're on the, uh, you're on the podcast, guys. Some of the things that'll be on the podcast will be these Q&As and these conversations we have. I'm going to keep the Sunday night discussions going because I think it's a good way to get more out of the, the topics of the messages we're dealing with on the weekends. But um, I think uh, moving forward, though, I'm going to be doing I'm going to be doing all kinds of random stuff on the podcast, having conversations uh, with friends, mm -hmm. and you know, to give you any line of sight, I I, I pinged uh, one friend because I want to talk about UFOs at some point. So uh, I'm not going to name I'm not going to name the name of the uh, pastor friend that everyone would know because I don't want to I don't want to commit him before he's committed. But uh, you know, I want to talk I want to talk about everything UFOs, Jesus, and and just all kinds of you know. The four of us and all kinds of and, and so many of my friends, we just have these great conversations that I think would be, fun. Uh, would be fun for people to sit on, sit in on. So, yeah, I'm launching a in the next probably week. I don't know which day it's going live, but you know this sounds really pretentious to say, but I think it's going to be good. Uh, BrentIngersoll.com is going live, and that so cool. we're going to have little, it's a little pretentious. Yeah, hey, go to go to my website. But uh, truth be told, it's a place to, you know what, it's not pretentious. It's just a place to go and get good content. So I'm um, going to have a blog, going to be launching a blog series I'm really excited about. Uh, it's going to be a weekly Monday morning post. There'll be a new kind of, not long form, but medium form written, written uh, entry. I'm going to do uh, my first little mini series uh, I'm excited about. It's going to be on spiritual disciplines. Nice. Love Fun. Yeah. yeah, it sounds yeah, a little stuffy, good. but uh, it's going to be called uh, Old Ways for New Days. And I'm going to just go once a week and break down uh, spiritual disciplines. So the first week is going to be called The Secret of the Secret Place. And uh, right. so week in and week out, I'm excited to be doing that. So yeah, there's some hungry people out there. If they knew the work they needed to do, they'd get at it, man. And I think that's really yeah. going to yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited. Cool. Excited to go live with the site and uh, just start working on Fun. different ways to to communicate. And so, yeah. So, welcome to the podcast, guys. And uh, we're gonna jump in. And welcome everybody who's tuning in online. Glad you're here. Hey, if you could do us a favor, maybe share it and let it, let other people know you're uh, you're watching. I'm gonna share it here right now too before we jump in. 
And uh, yeah, guys, how are you doing? Doing really good. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really good. Great dynamic responses. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Good questions get good answers. Bad questions get there bad answers. Go, so my, I'll, I'll own that. I was asking a question and typing at the same time. Just say, yeah. all right, get that out. So uh, something that made you laugh this week, guys. Let's get a warm up going. Something oh. that made you laugh this week. What'd you? What'd you? Some that made me laugh. Everybody, as you're signing on, and these guys are thinking about that, uh, do us a favor. If you do have questions, those of you who heard the message this morning or today, uh, take a minute. And if you have any questions, and we get if we get time, we'll we'll uh, jump in or weave it into where the conversation goes. Uh, this discussion doesn't rely on your questions, but. Uh, it's fun to know that we're really here, at least right now. Um, so yeah, jump in. If you have a question, fire it on the chat on Facebook, and we will do our best to to get to it. Anything make you laugh okay. today, guys, this week? Probably a meme on Instagram. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just yeah. trying to find something. My kids always do. My oldest, my youngest son. Yeah. You know, the... Oh yeah, he's an animal asking questions. Wants me to write a instruction manual on how to have sex for when he gets married, so he knows how to do that. So that was wow. Hey, yeah, that was uh, me and me and my missus laughed. Wow, pretty hard at that one. Yep. So yep. hey, well, man, on the one uh, hand, you're glad that he's coming to you and asking that. Uh, yeah. If a well, he's not ready lining. to know now. He, he's oh. good with what he knows. He just says, "Yeah, like you know, I'll never figure it out, so I'll need to know." Okay, wait wow. a second, Adam. So he's going to explain yeah. to his wife. Hey, this is from my, my instruction manual. He's yeah. great. This, is, this is how my dad does it. So this yeah. is so you are so good at this because <laughs> your dad wrote you a manual. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's going to work. Oh. I'm just telling you. That's amazing. Here we uh, go. So we're not to do. Questions Here's not to ask at the start of the pod. Um, do not <laughs> tell your wife where you got this information. Oh boy. Yeah. Exactly. The, oh, the, the viewership yeah. is diving Sorry. right now. <laughs> I'm joking. I love watching fail videos, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is my it is my <laughs> secret pleasure. Right <laughs> what is it about what is it about us that makes us enjoy oh, man. seeing someone else so fail? As long as they're not like really hurt. A little hurt's okay, but yeah, I don't I don't know for yeah. sure if this is fail great. videos are great. I watched a video this afternoon of a bunch of senior men on a, on a log, like a, almost like a seesaw. They were all lined up on it and they were shifting back and forth to make the, this huge uh, log seesaw back and forth. And they moved a little too fast one time through and uh, the seesaw, the log moved too fast and it jarred the whole row of the seniors right off and they all fell on the ground like dominoes. And that made me laugh. I'm sorry. I sat there and laughed. My uh, my son, my four four. I guess he turned five this week. But my son Alex made me laugh wow. this morning. He uh, he's like doesn't like being in our basement by himself. But that's where all his toys are. So you know, <laughs> I'm I'm. We did kids church, and then I'm Melanie and I are watching church or whatever. And he uh, he goes downstairs. He's like, can he goes, Dad? I'll go downstairs, but can you turn a show on for me? Because I don't I don't want to be you know, alone. And, uh, I go down, turn it on. He's like, you all right? He's like, yeah, I'm good. And then, uh, two minutes later he comes up. He's like, dad, 
I think I need the heat on down there. It's a little cold. So I go down, turn the heat on. And then he, then like not two minutes later, he comes back up and he's like, dad. Sorry, man. It's a straight, he goes, dad, it's the strangest thing. I have to poop. <laughs> and uh, just coming awesome. up with excuses to not be down oh, there. Yeah. So it, was, yeah. it was oh, the craziest, he goes, the strangest thing, he says. And then that was it. He stayed upstairs. It was like the, I had to go down. Yeah, that's that. enough. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Okay. Uh, I want to jump in. I want to jump into the conversation. But hey, there's a there is a, a, a hard hitting, real question right here, uh, right off the bat. Allison, coming in hot, and this is a great question. I think a lot of people are asking it, so I think we should hit it first. Allison says, "Where is your God right now?" What's the point in allowing people to die? Where is your God right now? I'm assuming meaning the coronavirus. And what is the point of allowing people to die? What do you think, guys? I mean, I'd love to. That's a, that's a great it's yeah. a question I think a lot of people are asking. Yes. Oh, boy. That's a big one. Yeah. Not to turn the turn this the, turn the steering wheel too quick from strangest thing I have to poop to this discussion. But no, it's I mean I I think one of the reasons we wanted to do this was to provide on ramps and platforms for people to ask their questions. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But oh man. Boy, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Well, I guess maybe I'll I'll try jumping in here because Allison, thanks for asking the question. I wish you we could be face to face so I could catch maybe the meaning behind the question, but just jump in and say, you know, I love one of the things I love about Jesus is how candid he is and how in touch with life on earth he is. Jesus said, you know, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, death entered, death entered the earthly experience through Adam and Eve, uh, who, who didn't take God's warning that if you eat the fruit of this tree you will surely die um i mean i I didn't mean to go anyway i'll try to get quick here but but really the freedom to choose actually allowed human beings to invite death into the earthly experience and so what jesus did jesus actually defeated the sting of death took away the fear of death he actually minimized uh, the destruction of death and what he accomplished and introduced yeah. us to a life that's bigger than death. Hmm. And so where is God? Yeah. God is provided. God is all around us and he is excited about welcoming us into even more revelation. You know, after death, I know that I'm going to be with the Lord forever. So that, that's a way to jump into the conversation. Yeah. Death is very small yeah. to God. Like to human beings, it is still epically jarring. Yeah. But in the scope of eternal life, we death begins to shrink. Yeah. I think there's uh you know the there's a there's a question your question asks you, Allison, and that is this. You know, one of the one of the we, we jump very quickly to this, this deduction that uh, if, if there's a good God, 
and bad things happen and God has the power to make these bad things go away, then why do bad things happen? There are bad things, therefore there's no God or he's not good. That's basically where that line of thinking goes, right? But in actuality, that question puts you on trial more than it puts God on trial. And what I mean by that is, where did you get your sense of justice that people dying of coronavirus is right or wrong? What in you yeah. makes you think, what, where does that come from? Like, like if, if there is no God and if there is no high power, if somebody hasn't imprinted a longing inside of you that says, this sucks, this is wrong, we weren't made for this. What is it about the thing inside of you that cries out for justice? All of us have it. We see what's happening. We're, we're, we cringe, we cry, we, we worry, we fear. All those things are, are part of the human experience. So the question of suffering actually asks more of a question on us than it does God. And the question is, where do we get any sense that, that, that of right or wrong? Like, what is it in us that makes us say, that's wrong, that this is happening, and then point the gun back at God. Here's the cool thing about the gospel. And I know this is, this is, would be fun to get into a whole apologetics conversation. I could geek out on this. But the cool thing about the gospel is this. It doesn't answer all of the questions of the mysteries of God, but it gives us a glimpse into what God did about the problem. He took it upon himself, and it tells us that bad things do happen to good people. Because the worst thing happened to the best person. Yes, that's right. The gospel is the worst thing imaginable happened to the best person ever yes. in Jesus. And we're invited to actually put our faith in him as he makes right all the wrongs that we all sense. That's yep. the invitation of the gospel. So none of us have this delusion, Allison, that, um, you know, he's... He's not there or that uh, if you follow him, therefore, all things are going to be good in the immediate. That's not to take seriously the, the message of the cross. We put our hope in a God who is bigger than all of this, but also came down within it and is starting to repair it from the bottom up. And that's, yeah. that's basically yeah. my answer think, in this. I think, you, mm -hmm. I think you, you can't go any further or you can go a lot further, but one of the key points for me is that um, even Jesus own words is like in this life, you will have trouble. And that is a lot of things, but then he says, take heart because I've come overcome the world. Right. So you take solace in that, in that there's a, there's the separation of the circumstances. You're actually going to have terrible circumstances, right? Good, bad, terrible, right? You're going to have those circumstances, but he says, take, take heart because I've overcome the world. And it, you know, there's, there's an implication there is that my reality or my, uh, you know, what's going on in my heart, what's where the posture of my heart uh, is, is outside of, it's not subject to my circumstances. It's actually subject to heaven's reality. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we don't mourn. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that there's not pain and there's, there's not suffering because there's going to be trouble. But Jesus is greater than that, and I have a hope in that. And that, that in and of itself, removes the sting. It removes the. It removes. Yeah. You know, it just. 
it gives you peace. And we've seen it over and over again. Like, you know, we've seen, we've, we've been to those funerals where, where we've been to both funerals. I've been to both funerals where funerals are where they don't know Jesus. And then there's funerals where they do know Jesus. And there, there is a, there is an absolutely tangible difference in the two and yeah. you can feel it because it's in the room and it's tangible. Uh, it, it's just like, there is hope in the, in the room of, mm-hmm. a, of a person who has died, who knows yeah. Jesus. there's, yeah. there's peace yeah. and there's even joy. To be honest, there's even joy uh, in that, in the room of a person who's, who knows Jesus. Let, let me just say this. Um, I'm getting the call here. <laughs> Someone doesn't know that I'm on a podcast right now. Um, <laughs> Let me say this so we don't stay here the whole night, but um, the what is God, where is our God right now statement? Like the, the gospel makes us look very closely at the fact that God is very much at work and involved in this. And he's more at the ground level than he is um, in, you know, I think it, I think the gospel tells us that as much as we want to think of God as this kind of cosmic being up in the sky, pulling levers and stuff like the gospel, this we talked about last week, incarnation, the gospel is God with us. His presence is, is working in and around us. And, you know, I saw a couple statements that I would just honestly would push back guys in the chat and just say like, be careful when you use terminology, like God is cleansing the earth and God is, you know, unleashing this, you know, Yes, there's plagues in the Old Testament. Yes, God disciplines those he loves. Absolutely. But I don't believe God is the author of chaos. And if you look at if you look at the gospel, the gospel would tell us that God's actually the one that takes the plague on himself. He's the one that, that takes the, the, the injustice upon himself and is calling. He's inviting it all on himself. And so just be real careful as Christians when we get thinking about where's God in all this. Mm-hmm. Do I absolutely believe that God, this coronavirus is, is setting the stage for mass scale revival and it's going to turn people to God 100%. Do I believe that, that God cooked up this in some lab in the cosmos? No, but I, I know he, he's, you know, it appears that it was cooked yeah. up in a lab in Wuhan, but uh, <laughs> I hope it'll get shut down here. Um, yeah. Anyway. So it's just just be careful as Christians, guys, that we don't we don't just start throwing mm-hmm. blanket God is God is cleansing people and and that kind of thing with the coronavirus. He's always inviting people into himself. Yeah. And he will use the seasons and the circumstances of life mm-hmm. to 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 turn you towards. And to Dan's point earlier, it is fair to say that there are bigger things at play in god's in god's paradigm right like we do i think it's totally right dan what you said like our view of life and death is way more ultimate than god's view because he has the eternal scope yes yes and so i do think god will allow us to go through very difficult seasons because it's unto transformation yeah yeah that's right Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, man. Mm-hmm. well, this is a good jumping spot to talk about the authority yeah. of Jesus. It is. Because uh, that's what we talked about this week in the good news series. And I, I, 
I watched it with Melanie this morning and just was, uh, you know, it's funny that to sit on the other end of it and watch yourself, but I'll tell you what, I was really, I was really blessed by it and, uh, encouraged just by the, by the message itself. And, uh, what stood out to you guys before we get breaking, breaking it down? What, uh, what resonated in your spirit? You know, I, I really enjoyed the connection you made between a centurion who believed that if Jesus is Lord, he'll be willing to do whatever he needs to, to get my servant healed. Mm -hmm. oh, that's that was good. cool. You connected with, here's a centurion who is responsible for at least, you know, like, like hundred, you know, a hundred men. And then there's others that he was, you know, under authority and over others. And, and yet he connected with, Hey, if this guy really is Lord, he will care enough to take care of my servant. Right. And I thought yeah, that was good. a cool connection. Like the, 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 the authoritative leader displays his authority by laying him, by making sacrifices. So his servants can actually be blessed and taken care of. Right. I thought that was a really cool connection of, you know, sometimes we think uh, Jesus, you know, put aside his authority to do this or that when really Jesus displayed his authority. Yes. By making sacrifice. Huge. Well, that's what that John 13 is saying, right? Yes. It's, it's, it's stunning when you read John 13 that says, and he realized that God had given him all authority. And so. And so. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's always a huge left turn for me right there. I'm like, what? But at, at the same at the same time though, don't we? I mean, it's great you just spoke to that. I think it's I didn't put that in my in my notes for tonight, but like that concept, Dan, where you just said, you know, the from a from a leadership standpoint, you take that that centurion, you know, he understood how real leadership works and the, and the st real authority actually is the lay down, the lay down the life kind. Mm. It's not that you're dispensable to me. Mm -hmm. The stuff that the, you know, like if you're elite, if you're in a legion, you watch, we've, I mean, we've all watched enough war movies to know. I mean, none of us have been in combat, but maybe we've been on sports teams. We watch enough war movies to know the leader that people will follow and that people will like lay their lives down is not the one who domineers. It's the one who, one who leaves themselves. Like I'll die for you. And so those boys will all mm -hmm. die for him. Yeah. Well, yeah. in our, in our yeah. Western culture, we don't understand what it's like to have leaders who weren't elected. Wow. Like we, yes. we, we yeah. elect our leaders and then we hold them accountable to us. Whereas in those days, leaders were appointed and people assumed God appointed them. Well, so if you're a leader, you better good. know that you are because none of us elected you. But if you, if you are going to walk as if you're the Lord or the leader, you know, you better you're be have to live at a higher level than the rest of us. You're going to have to like, don't you think yeah. it's like super, I mean, that's, that's super, that hit me hard, Dan, when you said like, we don't, we generally don't live you know, a lot of our leaders are elected. And if you think, and again, I'm thankful for a lot of, for a lot of our, our leaders and politicians, but fundamental to Democrat, like democracy is this idea of them having to prove their worth and to try to hold their position. And it actually, 
I mean, this is our this is our frustration with government, isn't it? I think everyone could could agree with this. The reason we struggle with government is when we get the sense that it's gone inverted, where really your job is just to maintain the viability of your position. And what you're trying to do is just get enough favor and credit with us so that we'll vote you in again. You don't exist for the people, you exist for the office. Maybe at some point you existed for the people, but really now you exist for the office and therefore I don't trust you and I won't follow you. It's that idea yeah. of like the, the selfless, like real authority, empties itself mm -hmm. i think that's what jesus shows like that what is it? Is it mark sayers i think that that calls it like the the uh the self-actualized leader mm, yeah yeah and he's the one that he absorbs he actually absorbs stress and absorbs worry and absorbs yeah. fear mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah the queen is a mother the king is a father you know that kind of mentality right mm -hmm. right yeah. What else? Uh, that's huge. What else? What else? I, you guys? I loved uh, Brandon. It was at the beginning of your message, but uh, it says it's it's an inability to surrender to authority that keeps us from rest and causes us to worry, strife, or or strive or act out. And then after that, you said our level of peace is tied to our level of trust in the authority over us. Um, just those statements for me were huge in the sense, um, it, it was just so simple. I love a simple statement. And a lot of times they just hit me cause I, I, it's so easy to overlook sometimes those just simple lines and there's so much meat to it. And I think so many of us, including me, we struggle with rest because we're putting our faith and trust in an authority that really doesn't have an authority over us. It has influence over us but they're not actually the, the authority that I live under. So I, I love that. And it took me down a whole rabbit trail of, of notes, but it, it was just really good. Like who is, who I say, we say Jesus is the authority in my life, but do, would my life reflect that? I guess I loved it. I, it I mean, you can, you can tell pretty quick when Jesus isn't the authority. Cause if like, if you're anxious, mm -hmm. that's, that's right. clear you said connection all those. that Jesus is not your authority because peace is the byproduct yeah of jesus's authority mm. yep. yeah as a self-preserving enneagram nine uh, i would have to say that it was a really good insight to say i have struggled with authority if i don't feel i'm safe with you hmm. yep. that was a really good insight like some of us struggle with authority when we don't feel safe like, I don't necessarily need a leader to show me strength or, uh, you know, can, you know, can you pull in the reins when it needs to be that kind of, I, if, if a leader can show me that I'm safe, I'll trust them. Yeah. yeah. We all do it different, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't, I didn't spend much time there, but I, I was talking, I mentioned like, I, you know, for me as an Enneagram three, as an achiever, you can be my authority if I think that you're more capable. Yeah, Th yes. that's that's basically that for me. I don't care if I'm safe. I don't yeah. care all that stuff. Just show me you're good, yeah. and I'll. And if you're yeah. better, I mean, again, I grew up on basketball teams. You beat me, I'm gonna pass to you. Yep. And that's that's, right. that's we, we're yeah. gonna win. I want to win. I don't I don't want me to win. Mm -hmm. I want us to win. But anyway, so so for you, Dan, what you're saying is your kind of authority shadow more looks like control. Yeah, like I need. If I don't feel safe, I need to control it. 
and so it's passive aggressive it's yeah i'll i'll yank the rug out from underneath you if you're not going to keep me safe but it yeah it just shows up in a different way like when you started into struggling with authority and your message i'm thinking oh that's not me right yes. and yeah into a little more i'm like you know what i really do react if an authority doesn't guarantee my um that they're looking after uh my preservation if all of a sudden i feel mm -hmm. like i'm gonna have to look after that then i will like if yeah, that yep. undermining comes out it's in oh you're not going to take care of me well i'm going to take care of me and that's when it gets a little bit the daggers come out then people are see, asking for me what an enneagram is an enneagram uh it's like a a personality profile look it up it's e-n-n-e-a-g-r-a-m yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, there's like nine types there's like nine types but yeah. Adam, I would like to hear from you because, you know, we, we all know your story. We all love it. Right. Like, we, yeah, you know, and, and if, you know, one of the, one of the other areas that I think, uh, you know, not trusting the authority or not, not being able to rest in the authority that's above us fleshes itself out as like in entitlement or self-indulgence. Right. So mm -hmm. I would actually say yeah. like addiction, addiction, again, that's a grasp at being at like, either looking to a substance to be your authority or being your own mm -hmm. authority by, by self-medicating. Yep. It's, it's funny because it, even in like addictions or whatever, for me, let's just use the, we'll use the example because you're here, Brent, and I was coming under a new authority, new job, new career. Um, even way back when I knew that if I decided to come under the authority of something different, all my secrets and trash were probably going to come out. So I, I, in saying that I would follow somebody longer than I should have in a previous life. Um, so I could keep my stuff to myself. Does that, does that make any sense? So if I, I would follow a leader that would be less than because I could still hide uh. in myself. So coming, you. knowing that I was going to surrender to an authority that would actually lead me, made me realize I had to surrender my junk also. Yeah. So for me, I would, I would follow an unhealthy leader so I could still be unhealthy, but make people think I was healthy because I could right. domineer that leader. Yeah, they, that's very good. They weren't your authority. Right. It's but I let them think they were and I could control them, totally. which was very unhealthy for me. Yeah, but I could still do what I wanted to do. I don't know if that if you can read between the lines there a little bit. Uh, uh, totally, but, absolutely. Okay, it's, all right. I, you know, I, I don't want to follow. You know, you like gonna have to change. That I mean, that does represent such a shift of what you were ready for at the time to to shift into here, and to come in. You know, like you knew if you're going to be in constant proximity with us, it's going to be very very hard to kind of yep. keep that hidden compartment. You're just not going to have space. It's going to come out um, yeah, and or you're going to break one or the other, right? Like there's just not room for you to be able to kind of keep that. No, and it's very uncomfortable when you can't manipulate the situation when you've manipulated every situation for so long, right? So let's, let's tie this into, because I want to get to Jesus here, but how yep. does, so what was it? That and obviously Jesus is is a, is a bigger underlying conversation even in your own process. But what was it about? Why co why come in with me? 
Why, like, what was so, it about coming, coming alongside me? And again, this isn't a conversation about, oh, Brent, you're this. I mean, like, the, no, what, no, was, no. The, what was the, the stuff going on in you that said, this is the time, this is my opportunity. I've, I've come, you know, I've come clean and now I'm mm-hmm. ready. I'm ready to not hide anymore. So part of it is, is like, same as you, like my, I'm not a three Enneagram. People can look that up, but I wing that way. So, and I'm definitely an achiever and I like to do well. And I kind of had a God moment. I'm an eight. Okay. So you, you would wing uh nine or seven, but the eight, okay. eight, anyway. eight and three are connected. I think. Are very yeah. similar. Yeah. yeah maybe are. that's what I'm thinking. Cause anyway, I've done that Enneagram so many times and I either come out three, eight or seven. So whatever. Yeah. But um, anyway, when I was coming on, I just said, okay, I, you know, you get to that point in your life where you just, you get sick and tired of just trying to do things your way. And I seen Jesus here and I, and I've loved Jesus for a long time. I just, you know, obviously I love myself a little more maybe in those days, but I, uh, I seen something happening here and I seen something that I could follow. And if I submitted to the authority of Jesus over this, it would actually heal me and my family. And I had to make that jump to say, you know what? I, I don't need to be the big boss. I don't need to lead the way. And in doing that, I've been able to lead the way um, in many different ministries, right? So, yeah, I think I don't know if it, that's what, well, what's the role of fear in that, right? Like, I'd love to hear you guys speak to that because fear keeps us kind of locked in. You know, it's funny when you're saying that, you know, people watching, we, we actually just at the church, um, placed a CFO in, in charge of all the finances. And uh, his name is Bruce Horseman. And he, I mean, it's invite, it's inviting like a real strength and authority in where, you know, like if there was room in the margins to kind of, to do things a certain way, uh, that's gone. But at the same time, like, we're not afraid of that because we want to actually maximize every dollar here to, to, to reach people and as grow the kingdom of God. So mm-hmm. like, I think there's a connection between fear and your ability to surrender to the authority, right? Like it's back to that statement mm-hmm. that you read earlier about your, your, I forget, I forget yeah. how you said it. Like uh, our level um, of peace is directly, directly tied to the level of trust we have in the authority over mm-hmm. us. So if you can't trust the authority, yeah. you can't rest in it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I just felt the call from Jesus on that. Just saying, Hey, you know, you, you guys have had those experiences where you just know. And I just knew at this moment that if I didn't submit to that authority and say, you know what, then I wasn't going to have peace and rest because I submitted to a bunch of authorities over the years and we all have different times. And it just, it just never worked out. It just like, that's a simple answer. It just never worked out. And you know what? Not that everything's amazing or perfect all the time at church, right, guys? But but people's lives are being changed, and I get to be a part of that. And as their lives are changed, so is mine. Like at that point, I just said, you know what? Sign me up um, for something that was pure. Um, I knew Jesus was the center and the focus of it, and and it just you know started to snowball. Anyway, can I just say, so, yeah, just to jump in here, I think one of the interesting things is. Uh, the 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 effect that coming under authority had on you right and has on a person right like and even coming under even a uh healthy authority 
right? Like, so like the centurion understood. He's like, I am a man under authority. So I know what that's like. Right. But so it has real life implications to, uh, to what goes on in your life. Right. So when you submit, right. To even a godly authority, there's a, there's a freedom that's found. Right. So that's why, like, we don't, we, we actually, it's so destructive to actually to push against and even like rebel, right? Like yeah. yes. the authority uh, against God himself, like that's the, the battle, right? Like who's, who's God? Is it me or him? Right. Like ultimately that will, that's going to be, that's like the most important question. Um, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, if I am willing to submit and come under authority, whether that's, you know, God which is yes, and also godly authority in the people that we work for or come under or submit to, right? There's actually mm-hmm. a freedom and a life that's found that we wouldn't find if we were actually like off being Mr. Rogue. Like, right. you know, like there's right. something that you can't experience. That's right. That, that, that you won't find unless you actually are willing to come. It's actually so good for you. Right. It's actually so healthy for you. And it's so life giving to come under authority. You know, Mr. That's Rogue huge. was that, good. That's I huge, love the line, Anthony. Mr. Rogue. The the um, you know, your Anthony and Dan and myself are, are actually on the, the board here at King's Church. And there have been a few instances, uh, both with the government or denomination, other situations where we've had to wrestle with something that the authority that we we're under uh you know, like for instance, we were we were given a, a tax bill, you know, and generally speaking, churches are supposed to be uh, tax exempt, but we decided we're not gonna we're not gonna fight this uh, because we're just gonna we're gonna submit to the wishes of the authority because of what that does for our witness. But more more than more, more importantly, there's an there's something about the anointing we steward that's connected to how we deal with authority, even when we think that it's not right or unjust, and it's not. I we've been very careful to try our very best to, in everything we do, submit to the authority over us as unto God, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what Paul says when he says, whether you, whether you eat, sleep, or drink, uh, do it unto the glory of God. It's not, you know, that's why it says in uh, the, the New Testament, it says like, those of you who are slaves, obey your master. It's not advocating slavery. In fact, if you read your Bible, the Bible is very clear. It's an anti-slavery book. It's about how God has liberated us from slavery, from sin and death and how God, anyway. But it says like slaves, while you're slaves, obey your master as unto God, right? Wives to the unbelieving husband, submit to him as unto God. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church unto God, right? Everything we do is unto God. And I think there's something about our experience with God, the anointing we walk in that has to do with how we submit to authority because it ties back to how we believe about God and, and the authority mm-hmm. of Jesus. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, that's good. we were speaking about one of the things that I, I if, if it was a live preaching environment, I probably would have riffed on this a little bit more, but just that idea of, you know, the centurion had say the word faith, right? Like, it's like, if you say it, it's done. You know, if you say it, it's done. And Anthony, you shared a quote the other day that just lit me on, uh, just uh, uh, so awesome. It said um, that God's words in your mouth are just as powerful as God's words in his mouth. 
Yeah. And it's like, it's putting, and what that is, is it's not, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with how powerful the yes. word of God is. Yes. Yeah. And like, when I see this, the centurion's like, if you say it, it has to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. question, conversation I want to have really quick is we've seen in the church and we've probably been party to both extremes of this. We've seen on the one hand, some people just sleep on the fact that when God, God says, put, put my words in your mouth, like speak my word. If anyone says to this mountain, you know, be thrown into the sea, like, you know, ask anything in my name and it will be done. Right. Like, mm -hmm. it seems like there's abundance of, of evidence that we should really like the centurions had have say the word faith. And so on the one hand, why do we short sell it? On the other hand, how do we get it wrong? Because we've also seen some people that think, you know, if I pull up to a Land Rover dealership and say, in the name of Jesus, be mine, <laughs> that that's going to just mm. that presto yeah. changeo, that the name of Jesus is this cosmic vending machine that every time you yank on it, it's going to pop out the thing mm. you wish for, like he's genie in Aladdin's lamp. Mm. How do we get the word of God? You know, how do we have say the word faith? What does that look like? Mm. Yeah, I, I'll just jump in there. I, I want to first. I want to jump in and just say that the fact that the centurion. I love the fact that the like it was the first time, like that Jesus probably encountered that 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 it was a new thing, that a new reality that the centurion was aware of that no one else had had actually uttered, and that just like that like blows me away. Like that Mar Jesus marveled at this man's faith, and I think. Um, just that's kind of an aside. Um, but I just, I, I want to say that like the, either way, the pendulum swings, both are, um, let me just call it ab abuse, uh, misinterpretation, not, not understanding of the gospel. Right. So if it's like, there's lots of people who will swing one way because the other side got abused for so long. Right. It's like, it's like, if it's name it and claim it, then we run away from the fact of the, the word, you know, the word, the declaration of the word um, will, that actually has power. And so we run away from that. In the same token, if we run away from it and we never operate it, then we're actually misinterpreting and we're running away from the truth out of fear of abuse. And we're actually missing the, you know, the, we're missing the power. We're missing the reality in our lives. We're not actually, um, we're not yes. actually um, operating in that. And so we're missing out completely because totally. of fear, right? So yeah. both extremes are wrong, right? Yes. Both extremes. And, and they're like, a, I think abuse might be, it's fair. No, yeah. it's to, it absolutely yeah. is. That's a great yeah. analogy. It's like the woman, it's like the woman who says all men are bad because right. she legitimately was in a, mm. an abusive relationship. Correct. Yeah. Now it's understandable yeah, why. That's your, that's your assumption, but it's mm -hmm. actually not, not fair. And I think, you know, I grew up, I grew up on a side of maybe the church spectrum that uh, didn't honestly didn't take the word of God seriously. Mm. It took the Bible seriously in the sense that it's a holy book that we're supposed to submit to, right. but it didn't take the word of God as a generating power seriously. Yes. That like mm -hmm. you can actually get it like speak the promises of god claim the promises of god pray the promises of god yes. like we're invited to be in the like god has spoken 
And you can latch on to what he has said, and that will come to pass, period. If God Mm -hmm. said, that's what Mm -hmm. my word will not return unto me void, it says. I think one thing, one thing, I think a lot of people like kind of claiming Jeremiah 29, 11 or Romans 8, 28. They like the coffee mug, you know, the coffee mug statements. They sound good. I can do all things, you know, but (laughs) the the thing I've, I've said this in church before is like, if you, if you aren't a follower of Jesus walking in the way of Jesus, those, those promises aren't for you. Mm. They're only Mm. yours in Christ Jesus. Mm. All the promises of God are yes. And amen in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Yes, Romans, right. you know, Romans 8, 28, God call God causes all things to come together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. It means you're surrendered to his authority. The mm-hmm. promises of God, the word of God, it, it's, it's God's word through Christ that we are invited to. Does that make sense? Like, I think sometimes yeah. we, we wonder why God's word doesn't work, or maybe we like, we use it as this kind of, again, this genie incantation mm-hmm. when in actuality it's a promise that we build our lives on expecting that it will come to pass yeah we do it through faith in jesus jeremiah 29 11 for i know the plans i have for you says the lord plans to prosper you to give you hope in the future not to harm you that is not your promise unless you are following jesus because that was fulfilled in jesus and the only way to take hold of that promise is to take hold of jesus yes mm-hmm. and and if you if you have hold of jesus that is yours and that is and that's why Jesus says, if anyone says in my name, you yeah. know, in my name, in my name, in my name, otherwise yeah. mm-hmm. you can stand on your head and cut yourself and do a rain dance and all this stuff. Like nothing's happening. It doesn't work. Yeah. And I just want to say that none of this is remo- like, you can't actually, like you actually need Holy Spirit. Like you need, you need Jesus. You need him. Like for any of this to make sense for any of this to actually carry any weight you actually need Christ in you, the hope of glory. You need you need him. You can't do this. You can't live a victorious no. life. You can't operate in authority. You can't, you know, you can't do any of this outside of Jesus. You actually need him. And even specifically, right, like even specifically what word, uh, you know, if you, if you were about a word and a, and a declaration, right, you actually can't do that, you know, removed from Jesus, you actually need him. You need the relationship. You need the, the yes, the, you need the interaction, the face to face, the intimacy, right? He is the word. Yes. Like that's, that's, it's uh-huh. who he is. So you're taking hold of him yes. and with him again, it's, it's unlimited potential. The word is potential, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, in the beginning, the earth was formless of void and the, and the Lord said, let there be and boom yeah it was right mm-hmm. yeah you know um we we in our in our culture in this time we don't see ourselves as people of faith in general mm-hmm. and we we live in an anti-faith culture so we don't we don't think we're people of faith but we are far more people of faith than we would than we would like to like to admit in our culture i don't mean just the church Although there's a lot of churches that are actually anti-faith and they don't even realize it. Uh, One of the things that struck me as I thought about this story of the centurion and how Matthew wrote it is Matthew and the centurion and that whole scene happened in a time when the world was not anti-faith. That was a time in history 
where it wasn't a question of, do you believe in God? It was which one? Right. Like the world at that time yeah. was not anti-faith that this, it wasn't a stretch for this guy to believe mm -hmm. if you are a, if you are the Lord and you're a, you're a faith healer, then of course you can speak the word and my servant's going to be healed because that's how people get healed. Like there was a, there was an assumption that what happens in the unseen affects what is happening in the scene. And you speak the word, my servant's going to be healed. It was not an anti-faith culture. We, we live in a time where people would say, we aren't people of faith. But what was, I was getting a little cranky this afternoon as I thought about this, this, this uh, question and answer time. Because I was saying, Thank you know you what? I was saying, <laughs> I can act on the belief that unless I make a bunch of adjustments to my life, I will be infected by a virus I can't see. So I can operate in this belief that if I don't make all these precautions to make sure I don't come in contact with an unseen virus, I'm going to get sick. You see where the faith is in that? Like I'm, I'm putting my faith in the fact that if I come in contact with this unseen virus, I know you can see it under a microscope, but my I, physical eyes can't see it. I'm going to get sick. Well, why is it such a stretch to think that I can also believe in an unseen kingdom of God that can actually overcome that virus in the name of the Lord Jesus. Mm, yes. But somebody would say, well, hey, if I believe that an unseen virus is going to infect you, that's science, man. That's facts. But it's still faith. Like if I'm saying, yes. if I'm saying, unless I take all these precautions, I'm going to get sick. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my faith in an unseen reality is going to make me sick. But what here's what faith looks like, though. Yeah. Faith, faith looks like something, though, right? Like the person yeah. who's got faith in their worldview on how the virus is. You're like, uh, well, based on the virus, I better wash my hands. I better practice yeah. social distancing, all yeah, that, right? Faith. It's faith. Like the, one of the greatest deceptions yeah. I think the enemy has accomplished that God is unaccomplishing in this hour in Jesus name is convincing, convincing the Western world that that faith and science are two different things. Yes. Right? Yeah. Faith is your yeah. worldview. Yes. And mm -hmm. within your worldview, there is infinity of unknown. Yes. That's exactly and how it. And how you answer the unknown, mm -hmm. you call it whatever you want. We Christians call it faith. Mm -hmm. But whether you are Sam Harris or Neil deGrasse Tyson or T.D. Jakes, you have a faith system yes that you the are operating on yeah there's something that you know about the unseen that's going to affect your physical life and you act on it yes so i would say that you know it would be it would be dumb to run away from faith because somebody has abused the use of scripture yeah right because right. you can't you can't run from faith you are you live in faith yeah, yeah. You would be smart to find out what's the best way to what's the who's the best to follow in the life of faith because we're all living the life of faith. Yes, it's Jesus. Yeah, and I and can spend the rest of eternity learning how to walk in that. That's fine. Well, and that's and the and the other thing too is, shouldn't the you know, if you if you are led astray or you do see like some Christians or a movement going in a direction that you're like ah, that's not biblical mm -hmm. um and you like shouldn't it make you 
not necessarily zag and, and form your new experience as the opposite of that. The answer to correct the error is not to, to like take apart where they went wrong and then do the opposite. Correct. The answer is to follow Jesus. Yes. And to take Absolutely. seriously what he says. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think that's such a tragedy and we've all experienced it. And I think all of us, whether you grew up atheist or you grew up in a religious system, uh, we all have baggage that we need to reverse engineer or undo or get rid of. Mm -hmm. The mistake, uh -huh. though, is building the opposite mm -hmm. and yeah. saying, well, I saw name it and claim it faith. And, you know, we, you know, people prayed for me that I would be healed of cancer and that or my dad would be healed of cancer. And they said, if you know, I have to believe it. And as long as I believe it, I'll get my miracle. And then my dad died and I did believe it. So therefore, I don't believe in miracles anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just because they yeah. made a mistake about how they hedged that, or like, and they, they, in good intentions, but frankly, bad execution, wanted you to pray and believe in faith, mm -hmm. doesn't mean there's no miracles. Yeah, that's exactly that's right. I think we, I think we have to, I think we are, need to be uh, vigilant is the word. Good word. About, <laughs> vigilant about fear. Right. And I think, and I've seen this quote, I've read this quote uh, a bunch of times, right? Like, and you're talking, this is very much pertinent to like what you, what a faith, right? Because it is faith. Fear is faith in the wrong God, right? Fear is actually like, you're actually believe, like when you're operating in fear, you're actually believing and submitting to a system that the things that I don't want to happen, like the worst case scenario is actually going to happen to me. Like it's actually out there and it's going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. So fear, fear is actually, there's nothing biblical. Like there's nothing biblical that invites us into fear except for the fear of the Lord, right? Which is the reverence of God, right? Like, so anything mm -hmm. out, anything, anytime I'm operating in fear, you know, which is, which is the, you know, it's embodied in, I saw this abuse and therefore I'm going to do, I'm going to remove that and I'm going to do the opposite because you're reacting out of fear. So you're actually reacting out of a place of like the, I saw this, it was broken and therefore I'm hurt by it and I never want it to happen again. So I'm going to remove it all of my, out of my life. Cause I, yes. I'm afraid of getting hurt again. So yep. I'm afraid. And therefore I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to remove it. I'm going to remove this truth that got abused and it wasn't even truth in the beginning. Right. Yeah. Like it's the abuse of the truth that you want to remove, but the truth in itself has to remain. Right. And that thing, and that thing has, be, has just become Lord. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. What Jesus says about the situation is no longer Lord. Your, your correction of that, that thing is now is now running the show on how you view miracles or or prayer for healing or whatever that is the mm -hmm. i think the beautiful man i just felt so much lightness almost like even hearing myself preach about the authority of jesus like just so much rest starts filling my soul when you know what's that what's that old hymn uh is so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take yeah. him at his word. Mm -hmm. It really is oh. like it's it's a sweet thing when you just say I just I just believe Jesus is Lord therefore I'm going to trust his word more yeah. than the word yeah. of my understanding or more than the word of my past or more, more than the word of my future. 
or more than the word of CNN. I, that's, that's a pretty low bar, but, or more, more, I'm going to get shut down tonight. I know it. I'm working, I'm working on it. I'm going to say Alex Jones. Boom. <laughs> say all the crazies. Anyway. So why is it good news that Jesus is Lord? Why is it good news that Jesus rules? And then I want to talk about how are we seeing Jesus is Jesus's authority in this hour on the earth. Cause I think that's a good way to, to kind of turn. Why is it good news that Jesus is Lord? Well, I'd like to jump in and say, first of all, I love your, I can rest in the master's mastery yeah. because I can trust his great love for me. That's, I was, that's gold, man. I love Where it. I'm going. Please, please hang on to that one. Um, but I would say that it's good news that Jesus rules because he was involved in creating everything we know. Hmm. He has major skin in the game. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. Like there is so yeah. much, there's so much security in Jesus ruling. Like it's so there's every, every reason to know he's going to look after us. The smartest thing you can ever do is trust Jesus. I love that. I love that Dan. The, uh, someone's like double playing there. The, uh, you just said, you know, basically if I can paraphrase that he has understanding like that, if he created everything, that it means he has intricate knowledge of how it works and how it will work. And he's in and so, love with it. Mm -hmm. he's yeah. In and then, so then the second thing I would tag there that you said was, so it's understanding and then investment. Mm. He's all the way in. It's his baby. Where is baby? Like this, this yeah. matters. Not only does he understand it, you know, I understand how, well, not that much, but I understand how, you know, my nachos work, I can make them, but like my investment level on that assembly of the cheese and salsa and tacos is not that deep. But mm -hmm. if my investment level and understanding on something precious is deep, that makes me, that makes me trust that one all the more, right? Like if, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what a good analogy is. If someone who designed a, a, a car, right? Like Gerald Ford, you know, Henry Ford, right? Like Henry, yeah. sorry. Gerald, Gerald, yeah. Henry Ford, yeah. right? Like yeah. you're, you're going to, although you're going to, you're going to trust not just his understanding because he's the one that's been trying, trying it and doing it, but his investment He's like, I got everything into this. His name is on it. Right? Yeah. Your name. It's funny. That's, I love how you used Henry Ford too, because he didn't want to change that vehicle. He loved it so much that it was perfect the way it was. And they almost lost everything because, and I think it's kind of like us, like Jesus loves me the way I am. He doesn't like, you know, I don't need it. I change, right? I just, I don't know. I loved when you said Henry Ford, because I, I, I saw that picture when he, I watched some documentary about him and he made that car and they started losing major ground because he was so invested in what he made. And it was so perfect that his son wanted to change it and he wouldn't change it because it was perfect the way he made it, like his baby. And I just think, you know, like Adam is perfect the way I made him. You know, he makes mistakes, but I love him. Think of the picture I loved uh, in your sermon, Brent, when your son was a picture of your boy walking down the hall in his little gown, holding that man's hand. And I can just imagine you watching it 
it's like that's my little boy and uh he's awesome anyway um so last few minutes i want to talk about you know the authority of jesus is not just a someday thing it's not just a hypothetical metaphysical yeah jesus is in authority but really everything's kind of working itself out here and we're kind of all a lot of people have that concept of god actually just to be fair they have this sense that god is off in the cosmos they believe that god may this is deism really that god created everything and then we're just kind of on our own yeah uh, we fundamentally believe the gospel says not only is god the authority is jesus the authority but he's here and he's exercising his will in real time yeah yeah, yeah. so i want to talk about what what are you guys seeing how are you seeing and i want to talk to you about the times and revival and all that for a few minutes how are you seeing the authority of jesus beginning to unfold in new ways in this season good okay okay, i'll just i'll just jump in and say i'm sensing this joy of the joy and the resilience in his people yeah like his people his people rising up and expecting great things from god in this time and coming out of this time that speaks to me of his authority. It's authoritative presence in his church. Um, I don't sense the church being discouraged in this time. Yes. No. No. Uh, yeah. You know, so I see, yeah. I see the resilience of faith rising up in people. And I don't believe that's just positive thinking. I believe it's actually God um, rising up in his, in his people to, to see the, the level, like even internationally, like immediately people began to have these international Zoom prayer conferences and so on. And there's such a sense of, no, we know, we know God is up to amazing things. That's not just positive thinking. Like that's, that is the authority of Jesus that says, hey, when the, when all of humanity thinks things are at their worst, guess what? The one who's in charge says, watch this. Yeah, he begins to actually rise up in his church, and you see him there. That's one way. Yeah, yeah. I think. Let me just let me just jump in on that too. And I just I say I I believe that like the the church by and large is leading the way in hope for the future and not being afraid of what's going on right now. Right. It it doesn't mean that like, and I'm talking about the church globally, right? Like the church. like from the body of Christ perspective, not to say that there aren't individual hardships, but, but there is hope. Like we're leading the way in belief that, that this actually, and that like this deep seated understanding that there's actually, um, there's actually something to look forward to that our best days are actually still ahead of us. Mm -hmm. And I think that Mm -hmm. there's something that's actually like the, it's emerging that this is actually this is actually revealing something. It's actually refining something and revealing something. Something's coming up that the church is actually like um, that the, the church is actually leading the way and becoming like a signpost or a sign of like, hey, those guys really aren't afraid. And I think we're going to see that play out because like it's all, you know, in like if just listen to the news long enough. It's very chaotic, right, about pushing one way. It's all 
it's either too fast or too slow. It's all, you know, this is, this is, we aren't doing enough or we're doing too much. Right. And I do, but I believe that the church is going to be highlighted in a way, maybe not in the news, because we're never going to see that in the news, but in the real relationships of, yeah. of people to people, you're going to see Christ, uh, you know, the, the hope of Christ, the hope of the future, the understanding that he's got plans and it's going to be amazing, right? That belief well, is, is not going to be able to be hidden, right? And, and it's already happening. I yeah. mean, you're seeing, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, actually. It's, it's hard to, to quantify a lot of the data, but basically across the board, any churches that are digitally, digitally connected enough to be able to track this stuff, are all tracking significant growth. Mm-hmm. Like our, our church's reach has, I mean, we must be getting close to eight, nine, 10 X from what we were mm. like yeah. our, our, our church yeah. is growing mm. in this. Yeah. So that, that tells mm. me that it doesn't matter what the media narrative is, is telling us. Like again, I hopefully everybody by now knows, and I'm sure you've picked up it. You picked it up in my attitude. I hope everybody by now knows. Like you, you cannot trust the narrative that's coming out of like major news outlets. Yes, you just can't. Yeah. And one of my big yeah. frustrations this is going to get me in trouble. I don't care. One of my big frustrations right now with this this whole virus is we're letting we're letting the media drive the narratives and whatever and you just said it a second ago you know it's too far too far you know it's too fast too slow and it's it's just it's a tailspin anyway that's just a rant mm-hmm. take it for what it's worth mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. not trust the media has way too much power right now and mm-hmm. it's driving politicians who have their whole job is public opinion mm-hmm. and so they're sitting they're riding a bucking bronco called the media yep. anyway a bucking bronco so let me let me speak to this so it's already happening though it's already happening people are waking up and they're saying this is this is junk this is garbage i'm not i'm not buying this this is not the way to deal with crisis there's got to be a better way people are looking to the church they're seeing the light they're seeing the city on the hill yes yeah. so that's happening let me speak from uh you know i'm a I'm a strong A on the A pest. Get yeah. get people looking for more stuff. So yeah, right. the A pest is the uh, the fivefold ministry: apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. I'm high apostolic. So let me speak from an apostolic standpoint for a second, and just say when I think about the lordship of Jesus right now on the earth, you know, there's a groundswell happening where the kingdom and I, Dan Dan and Anthony I were talking about this earlier. The kingdom of God, I actually wonder if the revival we're going to see, the renewal we're going to see is not necessarily just something like, you know, God's heavy rain just falls, although I think rain will be involved, but I think there's going to be a, a groundswell, a flooding coming up from beneath where the, the, the waters just start rising and lifting everything. And we're seeing that as to Anthony's point. Yeah. But what I see Jesus doing right now, because this is, this is my unique position as an apostolic leader in the church. I see God, Jesus, the true apostle, the ultimate apostle. He's mobilizing, not only mobilizing, but he's actually like strategizing, arranging, and I'll use the word aligning the church. 
to actually be in position for wide scale renewal. Mm. And it's so aggressive that he's actually forcing us to completely pivot and change gears. Mm. Yep. Like everything, you know, we, we got, we had a, a pretty robust zoom meeting earlier this week talking about, you know, okay, we're going to be 16, could be 16 months before we have hundreds of people in a room again. What are we going to do? And we're like, you know, we have got to engage this time and hear, hear the sovereign invitation of the Lord saying, I'm not calling you just to dodge a bullet here. I'm calling you to align yourself in a new way yes. for a new day. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. I absolutely see God doing that in this season. And you're seeing churches have to just change everything. You know, like, again, the main things stay the main things, but how that's expressed and formulated and formatted, again, speaking apostolically, mm-hmm. is, is changing at a rate that I've never seen in my whole lifetime. Right. Like there are things, my 37 years I've been a church kid, there are things that have been part of my church experience for 37 years that are just gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's not right or wrong. It just is. And, And God, Jesus, the true apostle, is absolutely aligning the church and redefining and relaunching it in a way that's going to take it into this next season of fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. I love that Brent uh, and how everything's changed and just, I'll even speak the celebrate recovery side of that. Like how, you know, AA and a celebrate recoveries, all these recovery things, depression groups, anxiety groups, like a lot of the things that kept people like together, like mentally, physically sober, was you went here and you did this and you went home and did this and you came back and you did this. And it's causing so many people, especially in in the Christian recovery, um, to actually own the relationship with God for themselves and not through me or somebody else, Um, which is, is, it's a huge, huge, huge step. Like I have people saying they actually have a little prayer closet or a prayer room. And if it wasn't for this, that I'm not saying it wouldn't have happened, but like you just said, it would have never happened that quick. Mm -hmm. Um, People that were scared to death to pray um, are praying. People that um, would never have read but like, I'm just going to be transparent. I don't know when the last time, what day are we on for the Bible app? 12, 13? 14. Day 40, Adam. 14. 14. Day 40. Day 40. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, day 40. Okay. So out of 40, the math would be bad. But no, but seriously, like 12 days in a row where I've actually read a full chapter only for me. And, and for me, not not to teach, not to, to encourage or to, to get a little lesson together, but actually for me, um, not a devotional book, just the word of God. Like that's a, like just being transparent, that's a stretch. And I, and I feel there's an accountability to that, but, but as you were saying, like it is changed and it is healthy. It's my choice. It's my choice and only choice. And in recovery, it's always the choice and following Jesus is too, but it's under a microscope through recovery. And that's why I'm using that analogy, but, um, yes, more than ever, it's the choice. And you know what? You're not coming here Tuesday night. Um, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have it. to learn. You're gonna have to learn. Sunday like morning. You're not. 
you, you have to sit, you have to sit still with my kid going crazy on the couch today with me. Um, the, I, I, I need this time. And I, so it's just, it's changed and we have to adjust to it. And I, and I, I've been, I can look at the negative side and people making mistakes and, but the positive side, and even in all our own lives, we've talked enough um, other than I'm a little chubby. <laughs> it's been uh, absolutely amazing. That change that we've seen in people. Anyway. The apostle is yeah. the apo- Jesus. The great apostle is causing people in spite of the church. He's actually mobilizing people to become Christians. Like yes. to actually yes. learn yes. how to be Christians. Like we are stepping towards the priesthood of all believers. Yes. Jesus yep. is Jesus is executing the idea in the church that being Christian means I go to my Walmart church on Sunday, grab a little worship, <laughs> grab a little on. word, grab a little community and then yeah. go back about my business. And yes. God yep. is annihilating that and he's going to raise up people who know how to pray, they know how to raise their family, they know how to yep. pray for miracles, they know how to study the scripture, they yep. know how to walk in the ways of Jesus. They're actually Christians and yep. he's forcing that on us. He's forcing it on our families. Right. He's forcing it on yep. church leaders. Like yep. let me just say like this has been hard for me to say yep. what 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 were you, where'd that form? I was really good at that. Where, where where's that I going? Know. Yeah. And and I've yeah. I'm finally coming to grips with Jesus. If if you took it out of our hands, it's because you want to put something better in it. Yes. That's right. And so I'm it, done it, being afraid. Every of time. It. it is all it yeah. is all being stripped away. It is everything is being stripped away. And it's like our our Christianity and our faith is not subject to our rhythms. And that includes going to church, right? It's not, it's actually deeper than that. It's actually like he's, he's removing everything. He's removing everything that is unnecessary in this season and driving us to actually what is unnecessary. So he will reveal what is eternal and he will bring like, it's like, it's unto revealing what is actually at the core of Christianity and and our faith and who he is in us. Because he's actually, it's actually not subject. Like he's stripping, like we're not meeting. Okay, great. We're still in the community and community is important, but there is something that we've, we made an idol out of, out of the way that we did church that he's actually, that he's actually executing. He's actually like tearing that down. And it's like, I think there's the secret place going to the secret place, finding him for yourself talking to him face to face, that is what is at the core. Like it's, it's ultimately and only you and him that is really at the root and the core of everything. And he's bringing it out in this season because we can't go anywhere, right? We need each other. Yes, absolutely. But that's, that's a layer removed from what actually this is all about. And I think we would say we missed some things, but I think most of us who are paying attention would all say, this is actually working better. Uh, you know, this morning I stood at my kitchen table with my hands on my kids, breaking bread and taking communion with my children and my wife and like the spirit of God in my home with my kids, right? Like with my family, Yeah, man, we weren't able to create those moments before. And now like God is causing these things to happen. Dan, you had a you had a dream that you and I keep coming back to about, mm. about like us yeah. kind of getting everything ready. Yeah. And then 
God showing up in yep. effect yep. and, and just superseding our preparation. And we're just sort of standing back, like watching God go. Yes. And that's been such a testimony and a, and a encouragement to me in this season, because I do feel a little out of control on this, although God's starting to bring ideas and stuff now, but like this, it's just so obvious that God's hand is, is moving mm. onto like re yep. refinement and renewal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You think, do you think the, the way that creative ideas are coming to you may have shifted a little bit? Like have you moved a little bit more into a receiving mode rather than a figuring out mode, even because of that dream? Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I mean, that dream It's funny how prophetic dreams work. They, they grow in their power. They kind of ebb and flow in their, in the growth of their power. Right. And so it's been kind <laughs> yeah. of a, that's yeah. been one among several words for me in this season that I've, I've been processing with. And yeah. I would say, honestly, full disclosure for everyone who's still here at nine eighteen, you know, for the first little while, my battle as the, as the leader at King's church, at least and a, and a regional leader has been, okay, I need to crack the code. I need to figure out how to, how to beat this thing. I need to figure out how to do church in spite of this. And I think in the last maybe 10 to 15 days, I've, there's been a resignation where in a good way, where I've just like, I'm yielding to, it doesn't have to be my idea. In fact, it's better if it's your idea. It doesn't have to be my design. In fact, it's better if it's your design. I'd love to participate God because you wired me this way, but, yeah. but, I'm laying down the, you know, this is us kind of thing. And like, I, I'm just, I'm at a place of yieldedness where I just believe it's so much better. I just don't want to miss God doing anything yes. he wants to do. Like, I don't want to miss it because we get striving. I think I did that yeah. my Wednesday prayer time. I'm just like, I don't want to come through this season. I don't want the window to close before the work's done. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, cause it's good. Mm -hmm. I want the window to close, I but I want the work. I know. That's, beautiful. That's right. I can't wait to see what our gatherings will be like when this is done. Like it, it's going to be different. Like, like what God is doing, like Anthony said, in the secret place is going to make those gatherings so amazing. Yeah. We'll get um, a window. We'll get a window into yeah. like some of the work that's been done when we gather. But I think yeah, the, target, I think I think the be... targets on, on what, people will look like when this is done that's right that's that's what i mean that's what i mean by the gathering like what what it actually the individuals what that what it means to us anyway mm -hmm. yeah it's good any final thoughts this has been fun guys enjoy these times it's good to have these mm -hmm. discussions it's uh yeah. yeah i know we haven't talked about much about authority but I, well I, we have but it's just been indirectly or whatever but like especially in the last little bit but i think i think it's it's a i think it's fundamentally important to us like we can't read the bible without seeing the invitation and what actually christ has actually invited us into even from an authority perspective right even if you look at how you know um how paul says that we're seated with him in heavenly places mm. jesus actually gave us the authority i give you the authority to uh trample on scorpions and over all the the power of the enemy right like it's like we've been invited you 
like we must grasp this as believers as the body of christ mm-hmm. as the bride of christ we must grasp this what we've been, been invited into and the reality of it is is that you know it is that that spoken word it is that you know that in in union with holy spirit that we actually you know are able to declare and to ch- shift things and to change things not by our power but by by the power of christ working through us right and so mm-hmm. i just really want to if, if i'm gonna wrap if that's my wrap-up statement it is that like may may the body of christ may the bride of christ find uh you know especially for king's church for the church in this region may she step into a greater authority and it's not that it's 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 not that it's not available because it's actually available and we must learn to actually live and operate what it's like to 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 live and breathe in the authority that we've been invited into which is to be seated with him in heavenly places, which means we're not subject to our circumstances. We're actually seated with him far above our circumstances, far above any power, any earthly power. It's all subject to him. And so, um, yeah. So I think the like in this hour, in this incubation period, which I've, you know, this, this incubation time, this, this cocooning time that we're in this place, may we, may the bride of Christ realize that of the authority that she's been invited into. Yes. The chrysalis, the chrysalis, the chrysalis of this season. Uh, Really quick. Going to, going to sign off here. There was two questions that came in. I want to just hit before we go. It'll take me two seconds. Uh, Michelle asked, uh, what happened to the people who've just started to give themselves to Jesus in the past few months? How do we know if we're saved or good enough to go to heaven or be saved when he comes? Um, Again, the uh, here the fact that Jesus is working right now, not Jesus didn't get tabled when coronavirus started. He's not like, oh, shoot, we're social distancing. Mm. He's working on you and in you right now. Mm. And you don't get the I curse the freaking satanic lie of you get to heaven because you're good. Yeah, come on. Um, yeah, right. Don't you get to heaven because Jesus was good. The gospel is the gospel is hear this good news. The gospel is that you get to heaven because Jesus was good in our place and he invites us to receive what only he should receive. That's why it's good news. The yeah, only right. answer I, I feel like we answer this every single week and I'm not I'm not mad at the person <laughs> who asked it. I just I'm mad at Satan for somehow twisting in our heads that we can work ourselves to heaven and how, how do we know if you're good enough? You're not. So Jesus is, and the answer is, you're in you're in heaven because Jesus died in your place and raised you to life. It's the only answer. Cling to Jesus. That's how you get to heaven. There's one other statement too. Uh, is someone was talking about, uh, you know, we're doing Bible study together, and apparently they're not in they're not in their bubble, and they weren't social distancing, and uh, tisk tisk. But uh, the, the, the question was, you know, they believe they were doing something good in this situation, therefore it justifies them breaking the law. Um, short answer is no, <laughs> it doesn't. Um, 
you know, I think I think the only time that we can not submit to an earthly authority that's above us is if it's causing us to outright sin and not submit to the authority that's above it. Hmm. So the guideline yes. is like if it's the law of the land, you know, if the law of the land is to do something that breaks the law of God, that's when yeah. you pull back and say, I'm not submitting to that authority because there's a greater authority I have to submit to and I'm going to have to answer to him. So I'd rather take your punishment or your imprisonment because I'm not taking, I'm not answering into him. That's the only guideline. Smuggled Bible thing. Yeah. Uh, But there's nothing, there's nothing that you're not breaking the law of God by not getting together and doing that Bible study in person. You can do it through zoom. Absolutely. Uh, You need to honor the law. You need to honor the laws of the land. That's I would say say there's probably a good answer to be had, had about the charter of rights and freedoms but that's separate from there God. Is. Like, don't pull God into your disobedience of what what's been mandated right now. Yeah, God tells us to submit to our earthly authorities, and that's that's not to be selective. Like, you know, the New Testament was written under Nero and Domitian, so you know, there you go. So yeah. su- submit to them, right? And unless they're commanding you, unless they're commanding you to sin. At which case, do not submit to them. Submit to the one who's greater. Thanks, everybody. Good. It's been fun. Awesome. It's been a good, good night. night. Thanks for thanks for stopping by, and uh, we'll yeah. keep these conversations rolling. So, see you guys. All right, all right, guys. Thanks.